Our scripture lesson from Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the morning, when he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the side of the road, I just got loud, he went to it and found nothing on it, at all on it but leaves. Then Jesus said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they were amazed, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only will you do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. Whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Holy God, grant peace to our hearts and tranquility to our minds this morning that we might approach you with a newfound love, a newfound interest a newfound desire that we might encounter you anew this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be good and pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our strength and redeemer. Amen. So this is a curious passage we're dealing with this morning in, in Matthew 21. For the first part, maybe, maybe it's just because I haven't gotten to this point in life yet. I'm, I'm still fairly young. But never in my life have I had a moment where I was so mad at a tree that I had to curse it dead. I don't know what was going on in Jesus' mind. I don't, maybe Jesus was, you know, we, we have that word hangry now. So hungry he gets furious with a tree. But that's what happens. Jesus curses a fig tree and it dies. Jesus hates figs, I guess. I don't know. I, I will say this morning... Praise God, because I don't want to have to deal with it. We're not touching the whole fig tree moment. It's weird. It's strange. Maybe some other time we'll deal with it when I'm ready. I want to go a little bit after that, when Jesus starts talking about faith, and what faith, I guess for lack of a better word, allows you to do. And I think the fig tree is kind of a stepping stone, a sort of segue into this. And so in order to talk about faith, as Jesus is talking about it, I need to paint you a picture. So here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out here. I want to paint you a picture really quick. A, a few years ago, my wife and I had the beautiful opportunity to go to Jerusalem and to the Holy Land. We went all over Israel and parts of Palestine. And, and this story makes a lot more sense when you see what's actually going on in Jerusalem. So a little backstory: This story comes after Jesus has just been in Jerusalem for the day. And they leave Jerusalem and go back to the city which they were staying in. Most likely Bethany, but maybe also Bethpage. Two cities, uh, towns really, that stand on the outskirts of, of Jerusalem. So let me paint you a picture of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, in this region of Israel, is very hilly. Lots of hills. Lots of hills everywhere. But not a lot of trees. So whenever you're on a hill, you can see pretty much everything that's going on. And whenever you're in 
Bethany or Bethpage. These are two towns that sit atop different hills uh, just outside on the outskirts of Jerusalem. You can look out and you can see Jerusalem. uh, And Jerusalem is a city that's spread up a hillside. And so you can see pretty much all of Jerusalem. It's it's beautiful. But just beyond that, you can see something else that's that's going on. If If you're looking out at Jerusalem and you take just a slight turn to the left, you see something curious there. It's another hill, not a lot is happening on it, but it's a very important hill. Back in Jesus' day, roughly 2,000 so years ago, what Jesus and his disciples would have seen as they were, were standing up in Bethany or Bethpage and looking out over Jerusalem, this point in which uh, they encounter this fig tree, what they would have seen would have been just to the left of Jerusalem, a massive construction project. So in, in Jesus' day, Rome was the controlling power. And under the governance of Rome, King Herod was ruling over the area of Israel, uh, particularly in the Jerusalem area. And Herod was a pretty paranoid kind of guy, uh, always concerned that some, as with anybody who has power, always concerned that his power was going to be taken from him. So in his paranoia, Herod decides to build a fortress. He decides to build a fortress that would be impenetrable, a place safely for him to watch over his governing area, but also remain safe. And so the idea was that they would build this fortress inside of a hill, not on top of it, inside of a hill, that they would dig down into it to make this fortress. The only problem was, whenever this construction project was about to start, Herod sees the hill that's been chosen for his fortress, which later gets called the Herodium. Get it, Herod, Herodium. And and he says, It's just not right. It needs to be, if it's here, it needs to be right here, just a few hundred yards away. I I don't know. People in power are weird. They're crazy. And but so Herod tells all all the people under his control, we're going to move this hill from here a couple of hundred yards this way. And if you're standing in modern-day uh, Bethany or Bethpage and you're looking out over Jerusalem, this beautiful city to the right, and just to the left, you see a little plateau, very obviously where a hill used to be, and just slightly to the left of it, you see where the hill was moved to, where the current Herodium stands. And in Jesus' day, as he was telling them about this whole cursing of the fig tree and why he hates fig trees or whatever's going on there, he starts talking about faith. And he says, if you have faith and do not doubt, other, tra- uh, other um, gospel writers, particularly Mark, says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will be able to say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved from here to there. And what they're looking at is Jesus is telling them this, is they're literally watching a mountain being moved right in front of them. They are actually, with their eyes, watching this great construction project of a mountain, of a hill being moved from one location to another location. There's one caveat, though. How do you move a mountain 2,000 years ago? They didn't have this big cat construction equipment. There weren't backhoes and bulldozers and dump trucks and all of these things. You didn't have all this heavy machinery but if you still need to move a mountain, how do you do it? 
And there's a saying whenever you're around Jerusalem, one bucket at a time. And that's what they witnessed. That's what they saw. They saw people with, with a single bucket. And they would, they would carry dirt. They would scoop up the dirt and carry it from point A to point B, just a few hundred yards away, and dump it. And they were slowly but steadily moving a mountain. That's what the disciples were seeing. And Jesus starts talking about moving a mountain and uses this word faith. If you have faith, you can say to this mountain, move. So what is faith? That's the word we talked about last week a little bit. And we talked about how faith isn't simply a noun. It, at least not in the Greek translation. We've adapted it for our own purposes. But faith in the Greek translation is a verb. It's something that you do. Faith is trust in action. And so whenever Jesus mentions faith, and the, and the disciples know this, they know that faith is a noun. I mean, excuse me, that faith is a verb, not a noun. The disciples make this connection between faith and one bucket at a time. That faith is, an, that faith is action. That faith, no matter how small, makes a difference. And so while we were over there, we, we, we encountered a lot of the conflict and, and tension between Israel and Palestine, as well as the, the tension between, is, uh, between the Jews and the Muslims. And we got to speak with some of the locals and, uh, and our professor who lived in Israel for a, a time. And we, said, and we were asking, what would it take to solve this conflict? How do we bring peace to the Middle East, for lack of a better term? What, how does this happen? And they would say, it happens one bucket at a time. It's not something that can happen overnight. And it's not something that happens easily. But it takes one bucket at a time. You see, we are small, finite creatures. We, there's no denying that. We are small in the, in the grand scheme of things. And we can only do so much. But we can begin to see how much one person matters as we look at one bucket being filled, followed by another and another, until eventually, working as a team, we move mountains. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit, and I want you to take it back out this little insert that's in your bulletin if you have it. Um, this is kind of like my shameless plug for get involved here at Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church. Volunteering in the church makes a difference. One person's efforts makes a difference. Along, uh, throughout this form, there are opportunities for you to look at and, and evaluate what you're passionate about, what matters to you where you think you can contribute the most, and where your strengths may lie. And the point of doing this is because in ministry, always we have a mountain in front of us. Some mountain, somewhere, somehow, there's always something for us to tackle, for something, something for us to approach. Maybe it's we want to grow our numbers. Maybe it's we want to save our roof. Maybe it's uh, we want to be doing more ministry in the community. Either way, we always have a mountain that's in front of us in ministry. And it takes a team of people, a group of people working together to move mountains efficiently. So here I am, I'm uh, a paid employee of the church and I love doing this. I love being a part of the life and ministry of the church. But if I'm being honest, if it's just me trying to contribute to the needs of the church, trying to build up the life and ministry of the church, 
it's going to take a really long time for us to go anywhere. Just like if it were just me with a single bucket trying to tackle a mountain. I'd be dead before we got <laughs> even made a dent in it. But whenever you have a group of people working together, you see how much one matters. You see, the church thrives through volunteers. That's what makes the church possible. You can have all the paid employees on staff at the church as you want, but they can only do so much. The way that the church can be most effective in the community and the way that it's always been done, and I hate using that expression because I, I, the way it's always been done isn't always the best thing to say, but the way that the church has thrived throughout thousands of years is because of volunteers, people taking time and energy and effort out of themselves and contributing to the needs in, uh, of the church, to the life and ministry of the church. And so I want to tell you about a church uh, that's right here in Alabama, and some of you may have heard of it. It's called Church of the Highlands. And Church of the Highlands is, uh, it started in Bur just outside of Birmingham, and they're a very peculiar church. They're a non-denominational church, but that's not what makes them peculiar. What makes them peculiar is they have perfected the art of getting people involved. There are volunteers, people helping out, people serving at every point of that church. And not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. But to just give you a picture of what Sunday mornings look like. The moment you start getting close to their church campus, you'll start seeing people with signs hanging up, pointing you to the proper direction. Whenever you get to the parking lot, you have a string of up to 10 people who are showing you where the closest parking spot is for you and helping you get there. As soon as you get out of the car, you have a line of people who are welcoming you, greeting you, showing you where to go, giving you a bulletin, pointing you toward the coffee, helping you find out where the nursery or children's program is or where the youth group is meeting at, helping you find your way to, to, the, uh, to the worship space. And if, if you're new there, and they do know if you're new, they will sit with you during worship so you don't sit alone. People at Church of the Highlands know what it means to get involved and to get plugged in. And let me tell you, it really has made a difference for them. They're not a perfect church. And I, I say this, uh, I, I, uh, my family works with their campus up in Huntsville. They're not a perfect church. But through their volunteering opportunities, they have been able to open not just one campus, but I think they're up to nine campuses right now across the state of Alabama. And every time they open a new campus or start something new, they pay for everything up front. And it's not because they have a bunch of wealthy people in their church. It's not because, that they're, not because their preacher is any better than another preacher or anything like this. It's simply because they get people involved. They tell people, you matter here. Your service matters here, and it makes a difference. And it really does, because every time somebody steps on their campus, they feel welcomed because there are people there who are helping them out, who are there for them, making them feel welcomed, just by, just by instilling a sense of volunteerism in the community of the church, they've been able to grow exponentially and are one of the largest churches in the nation, I mean, just by sheer volume of members. Volunteers are what allow the church to thrive. And we do so because we all have different gifts. We all have different gifts and graces for ministry. We're all able to contribute in unique ways. 
1 Corinthians 12 is a beautiful passage. This is the one where Paul is telling the people about, you are the body of Christ, and each member's of it. And as such, you each have different functions and different ways that you can contribute to the life and ministry of the church. And he goes on to say, essentially, that anybody can volunteer. It doesn't matter your gifts and grace. It doesn't matter what you're capable and not capable of. Anyone can be a part of the life and ministry of the church. The proof is from our Old Testament passage in Exodus this morning. God is telling Moses, go set my people free, let them out of slavery. And Moses is coming up with every excuse he can think of. God, I can't speak well. I'm not equipped for this. What if people don't believe me? I shouldn't be the one going. Send anybody else. And God comes back with the retort, aren't I the one who provides gifts and grace for ministry? You are capable. Each and every one of you are capable of serving. There was a lady who I uh, grew up in church with, and she had a, a, a horribly, a terrible accident, and, um, and the accident left her quadriplegic. She was paralyzed from the neck down. And by anybody's standards, that would be the, the defining moment of, I can no longer contribute to the life and ministry of the church. But she did not let that define her. And what she began doing is she began painting. Paralyzed from the neck down, she began painting a paintbrush in her mouth. And she painted these beautiful pictures. And she would donate them to the church or sell them for the, for the ministries of the church. One person can make a difference. And all people can volunteer. There aren't excuses. God, God makes sure there aren't excuses. Because no matter how small the con contribution might be, it matters. And no matter how large the contribution might be, it matters just the same. One person matters. And if you're still not convinced, there's another story about a person who was walking down the beach. This man was walking down the beach one evening and as he was walking along, he began to see starfish that had washed up on the beach. And as he walked a little further, those starfish were growing in number. And knowing that starfish can't survive out of water, he began thinking, is there anything that I could do? But the number was too great, and he felt overwhelmed by it. So walking a little further, he began seeing off in the distance a little boy. And the boy was on the beach, and... Standing there, the, the man from off in a distance could see the boy bending down, picking something up, and throwing it to the ocean. And as the man got a little closer, he saw that the boy was there on the beach all by himself, picking up one starfish at a time and throwing it back into the ocean. And the man said, surely you don't expect that you could save all of these starfish by yourself. Look how many there are. There's no way you could do it. And the boy picked up another starfish and said, you might be right. And he threw it into the ocean and said, but I made a difference for that one. And he picked up another and threw it in the ocean and said, and for that one as well. And the man understood and began bending down, picking up starfish and tossing them back in the ocean as well. You see, one matters. One matters. One volunteer matters. One person helping matters. One person helped matters. One hour a week matters. One place to volunteer matters. One moment of kindness matters. One gift used 
matters. One church in a community matters. One love shared matters. My friends, there are always mountains in front of us. We have been given the opportunity to move mountains. We've been given a bucket. And by bucket, I mean a gift, a grace for ministry, an opportunity to stand before a mountain and tell it to move, to see faith in action and to scoop up one bucket at a time and move a mountain. And while it might seem tedious if just one person is doing it, whenever we get a whole community together, we can truly move mountains. That's what faith is. It's an action. It's trust in action. It's doing. And I say all of this, and I bring up this volunteer assessment form because one person can make a difference in the life of this church. One group of people can really change the way that this church looks every day. One church, Spring Hill Avenue, can make a difference in the way that this community lives. We have an opportunity, a bucket, to scoop up and move mountains. And so, the question that I want to leave you with today is, where or how can you put your one toward moving a mountain? And maybe this is a good place to start with this volunteer assessment. I hope it is. Because we want you to be a part of this. We want you to be a part of the mountains that we're trying to move. And so simply ask yourself this week, as you take this home and mull it over, ask yourself where or how can I put my one, my one bucket, my one gift, my one self toward moving a mountain? And then let us join together and see what faith, what trust and action can do for this church, for this community, for the sake of all people. My friends, one matters. Let us pray together. Holy God, you have been calling us into a life of ministry, into the activity of your holy church working in the world. Guide us in understanding that we might encounter new ways to give of ourselves for others, whether it be small or large. May we bear no excuse, but simply desire to serve, simply desire to be there. Remind us that one matters. And as we are striving to see what it means to make an impact, we think about those who are in greatest need right now, and we lift them up in prayer to you. We especially pray this morning for our brothers and sisters in El Paso, Texas, for the 20-plus people who lost their lives this past weekend to, not, to senseless violence. And we pray also for our brothers and sisters in Dayton, Ohio, who experienced the same shooting in which nine people lost their lives. And we lift them up to you in this time for those families and loved ones of those 
who are lost, as well as the community that is struggling to make sense of this. And we pray for an end to senseless violence. We pray to an end of a country in which we're not sure if we're safe in or not. We pray over our leadership that they might take appropriate steps to ensure that all people can be found in safety. And we pray for the churches that have the opportunity to step in and make a difference in the lives of those who are suffering in this time. We pray also for those around us, our neighbors, those closest to us, whom we might not even understand what kind of hardship they are going through. And we pray too for ourselves, for we also are a people in need of your grace and love and forgiveness. Lead us into what it means to be a people who step into the world to make a difference. Show us what it means to put our bucket to work, to move mountains. We lift up these things in your perfect and holy name. Amen.